If you are interested in coming to Los Angeles and going to an actual, uh, an actual magazine Hollywood summer party, we are going to give you that opportunity. All you got to do is go to slimfast.com slash Tesh. Our friends at SlimFast are going to send you to Los Angeles uh, for a party on May 17th on the rooftop of Hollywood's W Hotel. You're going to party with celebrities. John, you're going to play three songs. Did you know that? Yes. I, I heard a rumor that you're, you had... You had- Pimped me out. <laughs> yeah, so you're gonna do a, you're gonna do a little concert at this rooftop poolside party, uh, rubbing elbows with with these celebrities. We're gonna give you a stipend to come out here, the airfare, the not, hotel. Not me a stipend. You're gonna get cash. yeah. You don't get a stipend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just have to show up and, and tickle those ivories. Right. Uh, but but you guys will get a stipend. So slimfast.com/tesh. You can enter for that giveaway. Uh, there's not much time left, so make sure you enter early and often. Okay, so last week we did one of my favorite things we've ever done, which is we sat down and uh, you and I started talking, John, about uh, about your career and um, and and when we're, where we left off, we were just getting to a place where it was starting to take off. You you got on the air because you were the only person with teeth, uh, and, and somebody <laughs> saw Raleigh, you at WTVD. Yeah. That's funny. And somebody saw you and said, "Oh, you should come to Orlando." And then, and then yeah. it all got it all yeah. got good from there. Yeah. Well, you know what happened was, and by the way, that was so. Much, I just wanted that to go on forever. I had. To, if you haven't listened to the first episode, we had a really good time. Uh, it was great therapy for me. But um, yeah, I mean, I ended up, uh, I ended up in, right. <laughs> I ended up as the only person under seventy five years old at this TV station, and the anchorman, the current anchorman, came in. He'd had too much to drink and had a problem, and so he went and got uh, taken care of, and they. They put me um, on Taking the air. Care of. I know, sorry. They put me on the. Uh, I don't even know if there was a, a back then. So long ago. They they uh, they put me on the air, and they, they didn't have anything else. And so I got serious about. It. They weren't serious about. It. They were looking for somebody else. I got serious about it, and I I, I found this Reader's Digest article about uh, the uh, what did they call her? They they called her the uh, headhunter, and her name was Shirley Barish, and her voice was about three octaves lower than mine and Gibbs. And um, and it said in the in the the article, you know, don't even unless you have ten years experience, don't even send Shirley a tape, right? I had mm. I had ten minutes, <laughs> and, but I made a tape of me doing the news and uh, and sent it out. And she called me laughing and said, "Hey, this is John Tesh." I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." She goes, "That's the worst resume I've ever seen." She said, "I didn't even capitalize my my name because I, it's a true story because I had one of those electric typewriters. I didn't know how to work it. I couldn't find the caps lock." Uh, so yeah, so she said, I got a job for you. I've been there for four months, you know, filling yeah. in for this guy who didn't show up. And, uh, and I, and she said, I got a job for you in Orlando. Uh, I was making $400 a week and in, in Raleigh and also busing tables and still going to school. And I got a job, um, uh, for $17,500 doing the news in Orlando, which is a much a huge market back then because it, Disneyland, Disney world had just started. Yeah. Right, and so I said, "I'll see you guys." And they're like, "Whoa, what are you talking about? We invested so much time in you." I, okay, thanks. They invested, ten, <laughs> they invested ten minutes in you because they had no other choice. I had a yellow jacket; that was all I had. And so, um, and so I, I took I took my Buick Skylark that my mom had had uh, had given me, sold me. Uh, you know, Southern Baptists aren't going to give you anything; you got to earn it, which is awesome. And so it's, um, it's built into their doctrine, it, it is, right? And so I got in the, I, I took a U-Haul, rented a U-Haul, attached that to the back of my Skylark, put everything I owned, all my records, you know, my Yes and Emerson, Lake and Palmer, you know, stuff, 
uh, albums and um, and put it in that Utah U-Haul. Drove all night to Orlando. Stayed at the Howard Johnsons. I'm not sure if those Hojos. even exist. Uh, had a Hojo Cola and and went to sleep with the, with the thing attached to my car. I figured that was the safest deal. I woke up. Somebody had removed my U-Haul from my car. Uh, and, oh, that was nice. Somebody put that someplace else. Well, somebody took it home with them. They stole. They stole everything that I had. I had nothing except like a pair of pajamas and a book. What are you supposed to do in that situation? What are you supposed to do when you're sleeping in a hotel with your U-Haul? Are you like are you bring it in the room with you? What do you? Do? <laughs> what can you do with one of those trailers? You know, do they every, lock better? You know, to this day, uh, I ask myself that that, that that question. That was 1974. Um, I and I, I just I kept looking for it. You know, it was the fine. I thought, no, no, right? right? No, no way, somebody no, stole. No, no, no. It couldn't this possibly could, be. This couldn't possibly it be it. Uh, and and so you know, I, I went to the police station, and 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 they gave me such great news. They said, oh yeah, we're right in the middle of a U-Haul theft ring. Okay. <laughs> so I just sort of drove right into it, and yeah. I went. I reported for work, and the station I had nothing. You know, and the station said. Uh, uh, this may have been actually before credit cards. <laughs> so long ago. But the station said, we'll buy you a jacket. So Aww. they bought me a jacket. So I had a jacket and a tie and a shirt. And by the way, for those of you that aren't aware, John does not fit the normal right, off-the-rack right, dimensions. Right, 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 right. So buying him a jacket was right. was was significant. He can't just go to a, right. to a Mendel's and pick up a jacket. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so there I was, and I was on the air. And I had the best time. It was so cool. I mean, they actually had a, they actually had like news. I mean, they had like a news department, you know. And they sent me out on stories. And I did a I did a, a, a documentary. This is right when Jaws came out. So I did a documentary. You would have loved this, Gabe, because you're so into sharks. On, Love it. I, I did a documentary on shark attacks because people were so freaked out. The beaches were empty. I mean, no one was going. I mean, they weren't empty, but people were afraid that sharks were going to jump out of the water right, out of the yeah. beach. Land you know? sharks. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was that time when that when that was happening, and so I, I went out on on trips with with the Jacksonville uh, Shark Hunting uh, Club, and and I interviewed guys with one leg, who who had, had their legs bitten off by sharks. No, they just had one leg. Okay. <laughs> no, yes, but <laughs> thanks for the Captain Obvious. Like, like, I wasn't sure if it was like a pirate or something. <laughs> I mean, what you say it? Yeah, because it's Florida. It must be pirates. Um, yeah, and so it was, and I was, I was living the life, man. I was in a, I was in a singles complex, and those of you who li- who live in in Florida, we know a lot of your listeners are in Florida, Altamont Springs. I was at the Spanish Trace Singles Complex, and this is another thing that you really would have loved. It was we played, we played water volleyball. Uh, water volleyball was fun. And then we went to the. Remember, I, t- I tried to take you to the Why Not Lounge. Remember, I told you about that. Yeah, I the, believe the, so. The, the, the lounge where bands never stop. So they would, the band would play at the Why Not Lounge. And then, and I, listen, I was, a, I was still a really shy kid, so it was really cool to go to a place like this. And then, like, when one band was finished, they'd pick, like, a groove song, and then the next band, I'm really getting in the weeds here, the next band would start. So it was great, because I loved, you know, I was in a rock band when I was a kid, and, and just, I loved, loved this life. And believe it or not, that lasted for four months. <laughs> this perfect, this, this Valhalla of I Orlando. Was, was so much fun. And then all of a sudden, this guy, his name was Irving Waugh, uh, he passed away a couple of years ago. Amazing guy, like the most well-dressed, uh, richest guy in America. He owned a big old TV station in Nashville. He happened to be in uh, in in Orlando at at a convention because they hold so many uh, conventions at Disney World. And he and was, nobody goes to the beach. They stay inside and watch television right, because the sharks are on the beach. So he um, he he calls me up at the station. I don't know how he found my my my. Well, he just called the station number, and he says in this voice, he goes. 
young man, you're coming to work for me. And I, and I go, uh, who's this? <laughs> I thought it was my friend Lenny, yeah. you know, back in New York. And, um, and he said, uh, he, he said, I said, who is this? He goes, Irving Waugh, president of National Life and WSM Television Radio and Books or something. And I said, I've got, I've got a job. I've only been here for four months. He goes, no, I've seen you on TV. He saw me from his hotel room yeah. and thought I had some. I was terrible, Gib. I was really terrible. But apparently he saw something. And there was a guy who you know, um, uh, Dan Miller in mm-hmm. Nashville, who was like the cock of the walk. And they were afraid he was going to leave. So he was so good. They were afraid he was going to leave for NBC. And Pat Sajak was doing the weather on that station. And Oprah at 19 was, doing the, um, was a reporter on the rival station. So he said, well, I'm sending you, uh, by messenger, I'm sending you a, uh, a plane ticket. Get on that. Don't miss that plane. Get on that plane, you know? <laughs> like, this, I mean, this, this is like one of those old m- movies with Gene Kelly, you know, so, and then dancing. So this goes one of two ways, and obviously it went the better of the two ways. So one is you get on that airplane and you go to a larger station in a better market and you end up with a bigger career. The other is you get on that airplane and you end up a news story on Dateline 30 years later. Oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> young kid oh, young kid gets oh, no. on airplane with only his yellow jacket oh, that was God. given to him on oh, station, disappears. It's a good thing I didn't, I didn't take a moment and think. It's a good <laughs> thing you weren't my friend. Yeah. Wait, wait a minute. This guy is just going to fly you somewhere? There's got to be a catch. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, and so I got on the plane, and Nashville's not that far from Orlando, but um, got on there, and I landed, and... You know, the anchorman, Dan Miller, met me at the airport, and Irving Waugh was there, and, and, and we went into Irving's office, and he had one of those special buttons where you push the button, and it releases the, the, magnet, uh, on the, the magnet on the door. It yeah. goes, boom, and I'm there. You know, I was like, oh, my gosh. And young man, we want you to come work for us. And so uh, we talked, and he said, you know, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, well, I was in Florida. <laughs> I want to go to the White Out Lounge. I lived in a singles club. I would play water volleyball the, with my dad. This downtime. would never happen today. Nobody would call up. You know? Well, yeah, but there, there's Google now, so I think people... right. Everybody's got their newscast, yeah, yeah. On, on, on YouTube. So, uh, and when I when I tell you this story, it's like the most ridiculous story in the world. So, uh, we spent you know a couple of days, and uh, I had to call in sick the next day because they wanted me to stay another day. So, you know, I'm not feeling well. You know, it's terrible. <laughs> you know, when, you know that, that's why when people, that's why when people quit now you know quit in the, our, our program uh you're always you always wink at me go hey, hey don't forget it you're, yeah you were a jerk <laughs> um and so uh we i i anchored with uh, did a test with dan i was so nervous and i actually threw to pat sage i had no idea who he was you know and he was very very I don't think funny. anybody knew who right. he was yeah Real fortune but wasn't he, around yeah, yeah right he had a and he had a uh he had a weather forecast and, and a radio show and he was very funny uh, and the station was monstrous. They had an hour long. We had we were doing fifteen minutes of news in Florida. They had an hour of news, uh, you know, at six, and then a half hour at eleven. It was called the scene at six. This massive uh, set. Um, the the uh, feature reporter was Hugh Hauser. Remember him? Of course. Yeah, yeah, he was California's Gold on PBS for years. One of right. my favorite documentary news shows. Right. Right. Well, he was like he was he he used to like like ten minute pieces on the news about a kid about a pig. Now they look were, here. Uh, if you just get in right here, this is a pig from on top of a car. Yeah, uh, that that likes to rest on top of a car. That's how he would talk, and he would get very excited about the minutia. I loved watching him. He became pig. famous, and Irving Wall, you know, he, he hired him too. So all of a sudden, they're like, okay, and we'd like to offer you thirty-two thousand dollars a year. I'm like, uh, what? Just is, doubled your salary. What is going on? Right, and we want to sign you to a contract and all the rest of that stuff. So I had pretty much I was done. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I, I, I took one more night at the Why Not Lounge, one more afternoon playing water volleyball. And I went to the guys, the, the guys at WFTV Channel 9, and I'm sort of, I'm sort of a legend there because they did all this promotion for me in, in, in uh, TV Guy and everything. And then I left after four months and they were so mad at me. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was, I hated that, that conversation. Warren Croak was the name of the news director. And, and he, he never even once said, I understand. And I, I get that he didn't understand. It was terrible. Um, but if I hadn't, if I hadn't left, all the stuff that I'm about to tell you about would not have unfolded. And so that's how, that's how I began that journey to, uh, to, to, to WSM. And, and now it's, that, that, that's, that's incredible. So, so you go and you have this conversation with the news director in Orlando. I really want to, I really want to make no, you relive I don't that awkward that moment. What, how do you open that conversation? Hey, I got to tell you something. I know you've started investing in me. I know a headhunter found you. I mean, what happened, what happened with that girl, the, the, the lady that talks like this? How did, did she call you up and shoot you out? She didn't, uh, no, she didn't, she actually didn't find that, um, she didn't find the rest of my, my jobs. I don't remember, I guess she didn't call me, she must have been. Well, she got, she got her money from the station, so she didn't mm, care. Right. You know, she was just mad that she didn't get money from, uh, you know, from Nashville. And plus she was from New York, so back then she didn't really, they really didn't care. The interesting thing about this, though, Gib, is that you know, whether it was Orlando or, or Nashville, I was always, and even to this day, as you know, I was always very much interested in all of the all of the production right. stuff. So I I could shoot camera, I could edit, uh, I could I edit, you know, film, uh, I could edit on, on this on the new CMX system. There was a it was the the first digital uh, um, video editing system, you know, in uh, in Nashville. And Nashville was was the first, other than KMOX, uh, other than um, St. Louis, Nashville was the first market in America. To use live minicams, so it was, and boy, did they use them for no good at all. It was unbelievable. They'd send us out to do stuff, and and that's how Oprah became famous because they there's not an hour, there wasn't an hour's worth of news every night in Nashville back yeah. in the day, right? right? There just wasn't, and so they would send Oprah, the Channel Five would send Oprah out, say, hey, Oprah, we need like uh, you know thirty minutes on the flower party or something like that, and she did these amazing interviews, right? And that's how that's how her career. Uh, was born, but it was it was really you were really a one man band when you were in Nashville. And if you, I, mean, I guess, what, what I'm hearing you say for for Oprah, at least if she got used to finding the story in the mundane of uh, of Nashville flower parties, then eventually she was going to be able to find the story in anybody's life, and that's what made her. So yeah, that's 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 that's, uh, that's a good way to tie it together. I mean, she was, yeah, actually she was uh, get ready for the compliment. She was very much like you, where she had a broad knowledge of a lot of. Uh, not not so much the way you do a broad knowledge of uh you know of all kinds of uh, of of history but she had a she had a very broad knowledge of um of of down home folksy stuff that she could that, that she could um communicate with so she just knew knew a lot about um the, the right things in life right right you know the stuff like farming and having relationships and mm. and uh and how to get people people were very very comfortable around her like you know like like they are you uh, so you're you're <laughs> Thank you for comparing me to Oprah. I am not a female billionaire anymore. Uh, <laughs> that, that part of my life is over. Okay, so you're in Nashville. Right. You're, you're on this incredible station. Um, I, I, how do you... I, there are a lot of people out there who get a job like that, and they bounce around from town to town. They have very successful careers being local news anchors mm -hmm. in different markets right, around the country. Right, right, right. Maybe they even landed in Nashville like Dan Miller, or they end up in a Minneapolis, or they end up in a Chicago, and they're, they're very comfortable in that spot, and they get paid well. And they don't ever make the jump to national news or, or something like Entertainment Tonight. So how do you get out of that world? So now you've hit a, you've hit a certain high there. How did you get out of there? Yeah, I mean, you have to be, 
first of all, I had no commitments to anything other than myself. Mm-hmm. It was the, it was it was certainly um, the most selfish time of I, I, I didn't spend much time with my you know with my parents or or you know or friends. I just I, I moved to a city and I picked up friends and those, that was my right. know, that was my family. But I, I was in that mode where um, I mean they used to call me the guided missile for some reason where it was like I just if I got something in my and I'm sort of like that now. And you're a hundred percent like that now. <laughs> I'm going to tell a story real fast oh, to, that, that illustrates this later in your life. Uh, your wife comes home with with cropped off hair. And you're in the middle of producing something in your head, and you do not even notice that she had she went from hair past her shoulders to a, what's called a pixie cut. Yeah, it was hair bad. my length. That was bad because you get in that zone. I see you do it. There's there's nothing that breaks through that barrier with you when you're in that mode of guided missile. There right, is no right, there's no strafing right. that's going to distract right, the guided missile right. with you. And by the by the way, folks, and Gib has has seen this happen uh, in in my world. I have um, I have guided my missile the way the guys in North Korea guide there sometimes right into the ocean. <laughs> And uh, sometimes you know things do work every now and then, but there have been some that have been really real epic failures. Um, but the, the the thing about about where I was in my head was the moment I was in Nashville, right? And I was there for six months, and I was already looking for another job. Yeah. Um, but one, I have to tell you a quick story. And, why and, why and, did you want to look for another job? I don't. It, it's just like everybody wanted to be in New York. That was the thing. You know, I don't, I'm even sure if it's like that anymore because there are a lot of local news anchors that make far more money than the New York anchors do. It just depends mm-hmm. on who, how many people are watching the station, how popular right. they are. Right. I mean, you know, in, in Houston, in, um, in, in Dallas, uh, certainly in Chicago, many of the anchors are paid far more than the, than the New York anchors because not as many people are watching news now. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, um, it's, you know, it's, you could, well, everybody wanted to go to New York. And that, yeah. and that was me too. And so... Uh, I actually started uh, sending out uh, tapes, right? And and I looked in. There was the uh, I can't remember the name of the the, uh, the magazine, but um, I sent out a tape to. Uh, they were looking for an anchor in Milwaukee, which was a much bigger market than Nashville. And I went there. And they flew me there, and I went there. I had a conversation with them, and it was like ah. And I said, yeah, I think this is good, you know. And they were offering me like sixty grand, you know. It was like wow. cra- crazy, yeah. Um, I got back and I said, um, I'm, I called him back on the phone. I said, I'm not doing this. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm waiting for New York. That's my, that's my dream. And the general manager got on the phone. He was so mad. And you he, seem to do this to people. I do. I do. Cause yeah, cause I'm a jerk. Uh, and so he, he said, you know what? In six months, you're going to be on the beach doing nothing. Click like that. It's like, you'll never work in this town yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is, which is a blessing by the way. When exactly. People say that, it's always yeah. the kiss of life. Exactly. Like exactly. Um, but when I was in the newsroom in Nashville, my life changed when a guy named Mike Kettenring, and you have met him, he's the Catholic priest. Oh, Remember yeah, meeting him? Of course, okay. yeah. So he, he was a news director who became a Catholic priest. He was on his way uh, to priest school. What do they call that? Seminary. Thank you. So a news director and a Catholic priest walk into a bar. Yeah, the guy, right. Uh, bartender says, hey, Mike. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he, um, he, was, he, was, he was in the seminary, then he, then he, he quit. And became a news director in New Orleans and won all these awards. So Irving Waugh in Nashville spent a lot of money and hired him, and he taught me how to be a broadcaster. I had no idea what I was doing up until that point. He because he was brutal. He, we would have these things, you know, you know, billions that mm-hmm. you turned me on to. Yeah, well, actually, I turned you on to it, and then you turned me back on to yep. it. So he's basically acts. Right, he's not mean like I mean, no, that's not true. He's he's not he's not he's trying he's not stepping all over people, mm-hmm. but he's going to call you in, and he and uh, Rack 
Wags? Wags. He and Wags are going to just rip you up about what you put on the air in front of everybody, right? And that that was my baptism uh, by by fire. But I was in the new. I was in the, the the newsroom right at the time when Saturday Night Live launched. So, um, we heard that that St- nobody who knew knew who Steve Martin was, right? Mm-hmm. So Steve Martin was going to play at the Exit Inn, uh, which is still there in Nashville. And somebody said, "You got to go see this comic. He's very very funny." So we went there, and he was doing his whole banjo thing mm-hmm. and stuff that you do on stage, you know. Like, and uh, and I said, "Well, my gosh, this guy's funny. We have to go back." So I went back four times with Dan Miller. I had, I had memorized his routine. So I'm in the newsroom and I'm doing all I'm doing his routine. Nobody's seen him, right? But right. I'm going, oh, excuse, there's no YouTube. Excuse me, we <laughs> are wild and crazy guys, you know. And and uh, people are laughing and laughing and laughing. And then about a month later, he hosts Saturday Night Live, and everybody comes in the newsroom because a guy on TV who's stealing all your stuff. <laughs> and then they go, wait a minute, no, wait, you stole his stuff. I love that there was a time where you could get away with something like that, oh, even yeah. for a week. Yeah. You know, even if you could get away with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. All right. So when we get back, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to take a quick break here. But when we come back, we're going to talk about your trip to New York. Oh, yeah. And, and your switch to national and then your desire to follow your passion. That's, that's what I want to get to in the second half here. Uh, but before we do that, I want to tell you that today's show is brought to you by Sunbasket. Now, we talk a lot about eating healthy on the podcast. We're not talking about John's life. We talk a lot about uh, eating healthy on the television show, the radio show. It's, it's really important. But there's always an excuse to not eat healthy. There's always, always an excuse to order pizza, to just eat whatever's in the fridge. Well, we've got the people at Sunbasket have gotten rid of that excuse. You don't ha- I can't afford a personal nutritionist. I know most of you can't afford a personal nutritionist. Sunbasket is the personal nutritionist that you need. It makes it easy to cook with delicious, seasonal, nutritious meals, and you make them in your own kitchen. You can get dinner ready to the table in 30 minutes. So it's really, really easy recipes. You can do it under 30 minutes. I can't, I can't fry an egg in 30 minutes, and that's dangerous. So my doctor turned me into a vegan because of this metastatic uh, mm-hmm. cancer thing. So they, they can do the vegan thing? Sunbasket can do paleo, gluten-free, vegetarian. You can get breakfast foods. You can get family options. So if you, if you don't want a meal for one, you get a meal for four, a meal for five. They can do it all, all with award-winning chefs, and they're all approved by nutritionists. This makes it easy to eat healthy. Eating healthy is really hard. Um, you get pre-measured, fresh ingredients. You don't have to easy to follow directions. It's they're they're delicious. I've we they sent us a couple. I made them for my wife. I haven't told her that they come from Sunbasket. <laughs> that's, the, that's the best part. I just made amazing dinners and said, you know, I've been wanting to get more artistic. In oh my the kitchen. gosh! If you're dating right now, oh, this is your this is your number one weapon. Yeah, absolutely. You would be the person that could that could. Scott cook. Myers dating, swiping left and he, right on Tinder. He doesn't want anybody coming to his house. He wants to take them out. Be, but yeah, but I mean, he could he could give them like a takeout dinner. Just hand, oh, look, you know, yeah. I made this for right, you. Right. So yeah, 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 yeah. And you know what? Just like with your thing with um, with Steve Martin, nobody's going to know that he stole <laughs> That's their right. That's right. So if you're interested in this, go to sunbasket.com slash Tesh today, and you get your first three meals absolutely free. It's a whole day of food for free or three nights worth of food. at sunbasket.com slash Tesh, and you get those three healthy, easy-to-prepare meals absolutely free. sunbasket.com slash Tesh. That's well done. So uh, when we were talking before, you're in Nashville. You want New York. How do you get to New York from Nashville? How do you make that happen? I was before... Uh, because everybody has a New York. I have a New York in my life. Right. How do you get the yeah, New York? Yeah. Everybody um, today, right? I, it's, it's worn off a little bit because we, we just roll our eyes at it. There's a thing called participatory 
journalism, where you become a part of the story to illustrate the story, right? Vice News lives. At, that's where they eat. Okay. Their, their, their reporters get fully embedded, and it's one of the only news agencies that's growing I, right now. Yeah, I have, I've heard about that. I haven't, I haven't seen it. But it's, 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 is it HBO? It is HBO yeah, and yeah. online. Yeah. So um, probably the king, the first king of participatory journalism nationally was um, Geraldo. Oh, you yeah. know the whole um, Grant's tomb or whatever that was. You know? <laughs> Grant's was, uh, tomb, no, <laughs> somebody's tomb. It was uh, Al, Capone. Al Capone. Al Capone, yeah, yeah. Grant's tomb. I got all the facts. Uh, and he would, get, you know, he would just get involved in all that stuff. We'd see it every because he, he's a local reporter in New York, but we would see those pieces every every now and then. So that's what they they wanted to insert you in the you know in the story. So mm-hmm. that's really that's inimitable. The guy across the street can't do the same story. Exactly. Yeah, and you and and you have to be. You really, I mean, it's, it's embarrassing. You have to really want to do it. So things like, you know, sleep, let's, let's say a landlord is, uh, is being busted for not providing heat. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the guy that would go and spend two nights or I'd, I would stay with the family with no heat until the landlord gave us heat and we would just beat him, you know, oh, be, be, just figuratively beat him to death. Right? I can't imagine, I can't imagine that landlord seeing the local reporter on television every night for weeks. Yeah, just saying yeah, yeah. you got to do this. You got to do this. There was also a thing that you can't do anymore because you'll be arrested. It was called going rolling. So we, so I, I sort of, uh, I didn't pioneer that, but I did a lot of that in Nashville. I was a hard news reporter, um, and they called me quote unquote an investigative journalist. But I would go, you know, it, let's say, uh, and this happened. William, Ac- uh, Will, Will Acker, Ackerman, um, the fire marshal was uh, was accused of. Um, of sort of of uh, of looking the other way with the, some of these building codes, and so when we found this out, you know, I, w- I went in rolling into his office, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and said, "No, tell me about this, and what about that, and what about this." You won't, you don't really see that uh, now. But one of the things I did was they 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 in Nashville they changed the speed limit from sixty five to fifty five. Wow. So uh, on that day, um, with Dennis Drinnen, who uh, the cameraman, who was amazing, and who ended up following me to New York, uh, we were in a van, right. And I I had tied myself to this to the inside part of the inside of the van, like the uh, you know the the wheel uh, thing where it well, goes over the wheel. The and wheel it, well. Wheel well. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. And so I tied myself I tied myself to that thing just just enough place so I could lean out of the van mm-hmm. uh, by standing up on the side of the van, and then my body almost all my body would be out of the van. OSHA must have loved that. Yeah. So and I had a I had a I had a, a shotgun mic. And so what we did was- we On a would, highway? I, so, so we would pull up beside people on the, on the highway, right, the I-440 or whatever it is. We'd pull up beside people, right? And then, and they'd be going 65, right? right? And so we'd the match their speed, speed limit. We were in a white van. And so we'd match their speed limit. It must have been terrifying and then, for them. And then, and this was not the last time I said, aha, in my life. And so uh, I, I throw open the van door, right? And the guy in the driver's seat would like, you know, crap himself, uh-huh. you know? And he's like, what I, the hell? I and can he imagine. Started, he starts, you know, he starts sort of swerving. <laughs> and I, and I, I'd motion for him to roll down. And, and Dennis is, you know, Dennis has got the camera and he's right behind me, you know? And one of those giant mini cams, you know, not mini cam is definitely a misnomer. And so, um, and I'm, I'm like in the, lane you know with the guy yes and yeah. so <laughs> i've got the visual it is not a healthy visual so i'm motioning for him to roll down the window it's like you know yeah. and then he, he goes what the hell and i go you're going 70 miles an hour he goes yes i know I said, the speed limit's 55 you're breaking the law and then you and all of a sudden you'd see 
you see the car like vanish out of the shot because he realized that we were some sort of you know some sort of authority so he's having some sort of criminal activity involved the the blonde 22 year old hanging out of the car van does not reek of authority to me yeah yeah but uh okay, okay go. so i've got that story and it was amazing people mm-hmm. love that story it went on for it went on forever we did that like 10 people right uh it was you know participatory journalism and the other thing was they had changed the pooper scooper law um in 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 Nashville so that you had to pick up after your dog so we Which had a, good. so we had a, a one thanks for the comment so we had a one way van with a with a you know a, a piece of glass in it and we went went around and we followed on the day that it went enacted nobody does any changes on right. the day it's enacted of course not so there's laws i don't even know where enacted yeah, so that's what we did so we found obscure laws <laughs> except for the 55 thing and uh and we would follow people with their dogs you know, and the dog would do its business, and you could see the guy, and he'd look around, left, and he'd look right, and go, I'm not picking this nobody here. I'm not right. picking this, just that van. Just <laughs> <laughs> that unmarked van over there. So then we, yeah, so. so it says definitely so not we, news. We were so excited. We got back to the newsroom, and we were, you know, we're like, oh my gosh, we got all this. And, we, and, we, and, if, and if the guy didn't pick up, we threw the van door open, of course. and then we ran towards him and said, aha, you know, and they, and they were so mad. They're like, oh no, no, I was going to pick it up, you know, that kind of thing. This yeah. is, now, this is journalism, right? Right. So it's so, something. I don't know. What's wrong <laughs> so anyway, we get back to the Woodward and Bernstein might be rolling their eyes a little right now. <laughs> we get back to uh, this is the path to New York. We, we, I'm staying focused. We get back to the newsroom, and you know you put the tape in the machine, and the news director's there. He's trying to decide what he's going to lead with, and all of a sudden we've got like about an hour of poop coming out of dogs' butts, uh-huh. and he goes, "I uh, tight shots." <laughs> Of course, you got to get the coverage. <laughs> so he got so it's a tight shot. Dennis got the tight shot, and then he would widen out and then show the guy's face, the criminal. Yeah, you know. And so uh, he goes, "I, I look, I, I like the composition. I, I can't, I can't, I can't use this." So I'm like, "Oh, this is the best story ever. Are you kidding me?" You know, he's no, I, I can't put this on the air. People obviously are, pe- not. People <laughs> are eating. So I went to the I went to the director, uh, you know, in the control room, and I said, "Listen, you got to save me here. Can't you do something?" He goes, "Oh yeah, I'll just put a box." A black box between the dog's butt and the ground. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> so you see this dog squat, right? You see, you see the guy standing there with a leash. The dog squats, but the black box doesn't 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 come come into frame until the dog squats and has that look on its face. Uh-huh. Then the black box comes, and then you see the dog's face. You see the dog's relief. The, dog, the black box goes away, and then you see what's behind. If and you it, ever worked <laughs> in national news and you have footage of this, please hit us oh, up on Twitter or oh, Facebook. It definitely exists. Yeah, please okay. send it to us but listen, I want to see this. But listen to this. There's a reason I'm telling these two stories. I put those two stories and about three other things, the fire code thing and stuff, on a, on a three-quarter inch tape. I sent it to Ed Joyce, the news director of, uh, of WCBS, the flagship, flagship CBS station in New York City. And within two days, I got a call back. You need to get on a plane and come here. Wow. Uh, yeah. And thank you, all dogs who poop. Because, that, I mean, he, just, he said, this is, this is so creative. He said, but you're too young. And I, I was 23. And I go, well, I was scared out of my mind. Right. You know, and, and, and the newsroom, I walk in the newsroom and it's like, I mean, there's, there's like 150 people there at WCBS right, right there on 57th Street. You, well, because you, they do. We've the, walked in there to do yeah, meetings. Blackstone. It's, yeah. uh, that's the, well, Black Rock, Black is, Rock. Is, is, you know, on 51st. That's, that's just called the Broadcast Center. That's where Cronkite is. Yeah. On 57th. Because they, they, you share a news department with National, don't you, at that point? Yes, you do. No, you, you, share, you, you share a floor. Right. But they have their own. They don't want to talk to us, right. the local guys. Um, but anyway, yeah. So he said, "But you're, you know, you're, you're, you're too young." Listen, I'm going to give you a shot. I'll hire you. I'll give you a year contract. 
Um, if you, if you, you're going to be a reporter. I wasn't a correspondent. You had, you had to like, you had to get your stripes to be a correspondent, called, be called a correspondent. Right. So they don't actually put you on the set, but you can be a reporter. So sometimes you would report and you'd hand your story over to other people. He said, but you, you are going to have to read the New York Times. He was so afraid of me. Right. He goes, you're going to have to read the New York Times every day. Um, and I, you know, listen, I was a sort of a dashing young kid in a, in a, in a leather jacket, you know, and so they, they, they like that sort of youthy thing. Um, but, uh, in that newsroom was, uh, John Stossel when I was there. And, uh, right after, right after I left, uh, Brian Williams came, but Bill, Bill O'Reilly was there for a little while until he went to 60 minutes. Uh, Linda Ellerby, if you remember that name and yeah. uh, Meredith Vieira, they were all in there at the same time. You keep playing on these all-star teams. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it These really are incredible was. newsrooms. Well, and the, and the great thing about that was it, it's it's like when you were uh, when you were in high school and you were on the number one water polo team in the nation at Harvard Westlake. Yes, right. And you and you played. You didn't start, but you played enough, and you worked out with the with the Olympic coach. Yes, right. And the best water player, water polo players. Right. And then you went to transfer. To, I mean, you went to you didn't transfer. You went to Colby. And you were the captain and the all the best yeah. all around. And it's important to notice that I was not I was not I was not capable of carrying the pool bags for the guys that were starting on my high school team. They went off to play for Stanford and the national team. I went to a D three school in the middle of New England, and yes, there I did dominate. But the analogy the analogy works. Yes, because I mean you just described. I was I I got a chance to watch. Stossel interviewed people, and he was, you know, he was amazing. I got a chance to see, you know, these these high end reporters like like Dave Marish, who worked for PBS after that, you know, do these live interviews and how they comported themselves, and 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 I just became that because I was sort of a, you know, was a as a kid I was sort of a you know a changeling that way, and um and I they sent me on fires, they sent me on uh, everything, Son of Sam, they sent me to cover the. Uh, you know, uh, Studio 54, which is such a... They a, sent you to cover Studio 54? Nah, okay, well, you know the real story. I, this is probably an interesting story. So anyway, um, uh, I was uh, 1976, this is, 1977 now, and uh, I've been there like almost a year, and Studio 54 opens, and, and Son of Sam is killing people, and so it's 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 like, you know, it's, it's a crazy time in New York, and and um, disco starts, right? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, it, it, it's uh, Saturday Night Fever. It's yeah, huge. BGs. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that's huge. And so Studio 54 opens up, and it's the hottest thing you've ever seen ever anywhere. Nobody had ever seen a velvet rope before. Mm-hmm. And and so, uh, you know, it's all over everywhere. And and so I, I decide that I'm, you know, that I'm on the news every night. And, and by the way, you and I have talked about this before. There's no, it's just, in New York, it's five stations, right? right. So ABC, CBS, uh, NBC, and then two independents. Mm-hmm. So- Literally, seventy-five percent of the people in New York City are watching you on the news. Every right, night. Yeah, right, So you right. can't walk out. Nobody, you can't walk outside. You know, oh hey, hey John, is going. So I thought that I could take that currency to the bank at uh, at Studio Fifty Four, but it turned out they weren't letting in people like me. They were letting in Warren know, Beatty. Yeah, Warren Beatty, and uh, mostly Andy Warhol and Halston and and supermodels, and they would paint the room, and you'd stand there at that silly that silly rope. Right, and then they mm-hmm. point out everybody in this name, guy named Mark Benneke, and I, I I actually caught up with him not long ago, and we were reminiscing about that. But um, I could I couldn't get in, so I went to the news director Ed Joyce, and I said, "Listen, I got an idea for a two part series. These guys they love two part series. You've seen this in the big, not even the big cities, the small cities, like it's a special team report when it rains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> this was a special team report of one person, me. I said I want to do a whole series on disco." And uh, to Ed Joyce, and he goes, "Well, that that's what's happening." Now? I said, "Oh yeah, this thing Studio Fifty Four. It's going to be great. You're going to have younger viewers." I just, you know, I hit him with it. 
uh, you know, pitched the whole thing. He goes, okay, go, you know, go for it. So I got the assignment desk to call Steve Rubell and Ian Schrager and make an appointment for me to do an interview. Right. Long story short, I get there, I do this long interview. They were so high. And uh, just know, this, a disclaimer: this is Studio Fifty Four in the in the sixties or in the seventies. Seventies, yeah, yeah. seven, nineteen seventy-seven. Yeah, and this is they, I mean, they got busted for having you know uh, trash bags full of money and the rafters and everything. It, it's everything you thought it was back in the day. Everybody was snorting cocaine in the you know up in the uh, balcony and everything. So, uh, so I do this interview, right? And and it's you know, and at the end of the interview, I go, uh, you know, Mr. Rubell. You know, I'm doing this big piece. And it's going to be great. I'll let you know. I'll call you. It's going to be, you know, but the truth is I can't even get into the club. And so he goes, I'm going to do my best Stephen Rubell imitation. He goes, oh, John, 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 just take this pass. Hang on a second. Here, Billy, get him a, get him a, get him a pass. So he gets me a, a pass with a lanyard on it. I think I still have it. It said, you know, it says Studio 54 VIP. And he goes, yeah, and get him, get him some drink cards. And so they gave me like, you know, 100 free drink and drinks for like $90 or something there. Yeah. So. My life changed at that moment. Women actually paid attention to me because I could get them into Studio oh, 54. Yeah, yeah. I had so many friends. There's, I don't even know is, if there even is an equivalent nowadays to that. That kind of currency? Yes, yeah. Hamilton tickets. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> and who bought up all the Hamilton tickets? <laughs> you, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, There's no yeah, Steve yeah. Rubell. Yeah, you, you got to have, have that currency, yeah. you know? And, and I, I'd bring in my, my, my police officer friends and firemen and oh. everybody. And then they're going to give you the scoop on everything. They, they call you first, you know? Um, so that was... That was a that was a, a a crazy time to to be on the news on local news. So so I mean here's what I if I had to put a bow on on your trip on your journey to WCBS basically you you once you got a taste for it you were hyper focused and you just said yes to basic to, to the opportunities that you wanted. Yeah, it was the first time. Yes, absolutely. It was the first time though. Well, I'd only been at two stations prior, three stations. It was the first time I had to fight to get on the air. So they gave you a base salary, right? And then if you got on the the, uh, the 6 o'clock, the afterpay was for an hour, right? Um, and if you got on the 11 o'clock, if they recut your piece and you got to get on the air, mm-hmm. um, it, was, uh, it was for a half hour. If you actually got to introduce your piece on camera live, mm-hmm. it was a different fee. So, But you're competing against all these hotshot reporters. Right. So you had to – and, they, and they, they didn't just you – didn't, you didn't just sit in your room and wait for a story unless there was a fire engine that went off or something mm-hmm. like that. And, and that basically was a waste of your time because you would go cover the fire and do the interviews and they'd cut you out of it. They would, right. they, they, you, would never, you were never a reporter on that. You right. know? So you, you had to come up with stories. So I came up with, with a story where you know, the uh, cab drivers were, were, uh, were ripping off uh, foreigners by weighing them on the way from JFK to, I mean, it's a true story. The story about how uh, uh, tow truck drivers were killing people by, by, by racing to get to the crash first, you wow. know, and, and these are all things that, you know, I, I mean, I used to just sort of walk the streets at night in New York and think about, think mm-hmm. about stories and you have to sell it to the assignment that it was, it was, it was, it was an interesting time. You really had to be a reporter. You couldn't just, you know, they, if they had a big story, they gave it to the big guys, not me. Right. So you, you had to go and find those stories. Right. And then I anchored the news on the weekends and I, and I filled it. There's nothing by the way that will stop your heart faster than being a cub reporter at 23, 24 years old. And uh, and then you know the, all the reporters are out, and the lead anchor calls in. Jim Jensen calls in sick, mm-hmm. and poor Jim ended up uh, for many reasons having a, having a drug problem. But um, he calls in sick, and you're the only guy. I get this happened to me again, mm-hmm. right? And they put you on. They, they say, okay, you're you're anchoring tonight. You're anchoring the six with Rollin Smith, and you're like, oh my gosh! And people are talking in your ear, mm-hmm. 
and you've got to ad lib and you're throwing back and forth to satellites and, st- and stuff like that. It was the scariest thing ever. It seems like uh, your career advice is go hang out in a newsroom and find and like call in a bomb threat so everybody has to leave. <laughs> That's right. a great, yeah, I like that. It's more it's it's a, a, yeah. heaven in Raleigh to get Gosh, you on the air at first. Probably could have moved a lot oh, faster. Oh, you could have skipped so many levels. So yeah. Oh, uh, somebody put Walter Cronkite, uh, send him his send him out to lunch and then and then you're there to, to cover the national. Yeah, yeah, and and I told that story in the first podcast. About 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 how I used to I used to use the razor blade on the on the religious tapes to 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 open up an opportunity for me to have my own radio show. So I wasn't I wasn't above being a, being a criminal. The, the the wild thing that happened though, Gib, and and uh, I don't know this is getting long, but it's is uh, I'm in the I'm in the newsroom and I'm there for six years, right? Mm-hmm. And I actually believe it or not, I actually started getting bored. I'm thinking, how is this possible that I'm getting bored? Um, I was I was not lucky in love, you know. Things were just not working. I, I was, the relationships would last for you know a little while, and it would just you know people they were people not into somebody who's working fourteen hours a day. Um, I'd ride my motorcycle out to the Hamptons, you know, and we'd mm-hmm. be out there you'd, pss, pss, do that thing for a while. It's just it was I was sort of I was depressed, which is ridiculous because I'm on the number one station in the country, uh, and I'm still twenty nine years old. Um, I get this phone call from from Terry O'Neill and Van Gordon Sauter, who were the um, the presidents of CBS Sports. It was another one of those young man calls, and Van says, uh, "Hey, uh, hey, John, I'm so and so. I'm the I'm the president of C- of CBS Sports. I'm like, oh, that's great." And he goes, uh, "I want you to come to work for me." And I go, "What?" And he goes, "Listen, you look bored, and I think you should come meet with us." And so I said, "Okay." So I'm, then I went to BlackRock, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where sports was. I went to BlackRock. I sat down with him and um, and Terry O'Neill, who had just been hired away from from Wide World of Sports. What they wanted to do is they wanted to turn CBS Sports into Wide World of Sports. And because and, it was just, at that point, it was just, just... Just for disclaimer, Wide World of Sports was an ABC show. Right. CBS wanted its own yeah, version of it. Right. And, um, you know, before that time, CBS was basically just tractor-pulling and world's strongest men. It was, it was, and they didn't have any of the big contracts like they have, they have now. ABC just had everything, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and Monday Night Football was, it was, was huge for them. And NBC also had, you know, all the, all the college stuff. So they wanted it. They wanted it to uh, to to put their flag in the in in the ground. So they they told me they said we're we're looking to do anthology sports. And I said, what's this? And they said, well, things like speed skating and and di- swimming and diving, you know, Olympic events. And I said, will you have the Olympics? They said, no, but we have to show the Olympic committee that we can actually do that stuff. Uh, and and but but tennis and things like that too. And I and I and I said uh, and I said, you want me to to do this? You know why? Uh, because I, I really wasn't interested. I was mm-hmm. like, because I didn't. I, I wasn't like you. You'd be jumping up and down, going sports. Are you kidding me? So um, they said, well, we've seen your live stuff because I was doing a lot of live, you know, live interviews and live reporting. And, and they said, we think you're really good on your feet. Um, I think I've sort of lost that at this point, but I think you're really good on your feet. We think you'd be great for this. Uh, and I said, you have to know that I don't. And you know this to be true. I don't. I can't name five NBA teams or you know two mm-hmm. NFL teams. I said, don't worry, where we're sending you, you know, nobody's going to even know the rules. <laughs> and so um, I, I, I actually took a pay cut. You know, at that point, I was making a hundred grand. Wow. Uh, yeah, anchoring the news and doing the, doing the news in 1982. Uh, that's a, that's a lot. So, of, I mean, that's a lot of money in today's dollars. Yeah. yeah so I, I, I four hundred thousand dollars for those of you that want to do the quick conversion. Wow. Uh, local local news reporter. So I I left CBS um, News, WCBS, and I went to work for for the network, and that was a cool thing because you always want to get to the network right. too. And then and then it was like holy moly, they they sent me everywhere. I mean I I mean I was I was in a different I, because you know to those guys in BlackRock 
you know, an inch on the map looked like an inch on the map. To me, it was like from going, going from Yugoslavia to Sweden, you right, know? Right, right. So they sent me on all these events. And that's when I really learned how to be uh, a professional musician because David Michaels, who was usually my producer, was like, hey, I know you, you're a keyboardist. Do you have any music for this? So I would use my money, and I've always done this, as you know. I'm looking at this Moog synthesizer in the studio as we're doing this. I, uh, I always use my money from television to like buy Rhodes pianos and organs and things like that. So I bought some synthesizers, took them with me to Europe, and sort of lived in Europe and did the Tour de France and downhill skiing and all the rest of that. And the, you know, that eventually led to the NBA uh, basketball theme because I had that, I had that in. I, I knew when the producers at CBS needed music. Mm-hmm. And I would say, well, you know, forget, you know, searching all these Mannheim steamroll steam albums. Right. I can actually make this and make it at the right time and right. all the rest of that. Yeah, yeah because you had, you had the in. You, and you, and right. you also had, a, at that point, because of your experience in Nashville doing the embedded reporter pieces, because of your experience fighting to get on the air in, in New York, you knew what the pacing and timing had to be better than anybody who had just spent their whole time being a musician. Yeah. So you kind of yeah. had that advantage yeah. at yeah. that point. Yeah. There's nobody I know, by, by the way, there's nobody I know that would have been able to to grab hold of this thing in Raleigh and get all the way to CBS Sports um, other than you. you I don't think you, I know you, abs- you you have that broad skill set it would do that but the, the the big thing this is that book I've always wanted to write you know hard work risk and prayer the big thing that stops people is they get they get scared you know yeah. um, is they they won't risk and uh, you know you and I have shared you know even even since all that time how important it is to take a take a calculated risk because mm-hmm. if you look at the most successful people in the world, there's so much risk right in their in their lives and and you know I could have stayed at CBS. I mean I could still be at CBS News being being yeah. being their sort of uh, you know uh, reporter uh, emeritus, but um, it, it's when those when those opportunities come up, you really have to be found ready. Yeah, I mean it sounds like you were so from from CBS Sports, you're you're going all over Europe, you're doing all these crazy things. And then it kind of where most people pick up your career, most even casual fans pick up your career, is, is when you land the Entertainment Tonight job. Right, so how yeah. do you get off CBS, w, or off of uh, CBS Sports and end up in it? It's another one of those. It, it just had to be like a Holy Spirit thing where, where I'm, in, I'm announcing the Paris-Roubaix classic bike race, one of my favorites. And, and there's a message for me at the hotel uh, in Roubaix, France, and it's from a guy named Frank Kelly. He said, hey, next time you're in New York, would you come audition for Entertainment Tonight? And I didn't think anything of it. I was a, I was a serious, at this point, I was a serious sports guy. I was writing copy. I was doing music. I mm. I'd won a, you know, a bunch of Emmys, and this is what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And I didn't even think about it. And then I put the piece of paper in my, my pocket. And when I landed in New York, because I, I hadn't seen Entertainment Tonight, right. you know, I, I called the guy in, in Los it Angeles. It wasn't in Yugoslavia at that point. Right, exactly. I called the guy in Los Angeles. And he said, uh, "He said, well, hey, Mary Hart uh, next week is going to be at the Gulf and Western building right there in Columbus Circle. Would you go do an audition with her? And I said, well, uh, 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 sure. You know, I'll, I'll tell anything. And so uh, long story short, I, I show up and Mary's there and all the Mary Hart stuff. And I'm, I've got a, I, I look terrible. I've got like a tank top on and these sh- terrible shorts and, and socks that don't match. And so you could just see. By the, the way, for those of you that that's the way can't I look see now. John is exactly what he's wearing right now. Yeah. And so uh, I, you know, I, I went. I read the teleprompter, which I wasn't good at anymore because I hadn't been doing it for six years. I'd been doing sports, and um, and I, you know, and she was like, uh, "Wow, you're very loud." I remember her saying <laughs> that, you know, because I was like, I was still doing downhill skiing when I was doing the celebrity birthdays, and I didn't think anything of it. And um, 
I uh, it's that's three, a non compliment, by the way, for yeah. Mary Hart. You're yeah. very loud. <laughs> three. Uh, that's the worst compliment she would ever say. Yeah, that's what she said. Uh, so in three to four months, I hadn't heard anything, and I thought, and, I, and then my contract was up at CBS, and a guy, and I talked to him not long ago. The uh, uh, Peter, I can't remember his name. Anyway, he, the guy who was the president of CBS Sports, called me in and said, "Hey, listen, your contract's coming up. I just want you to know." We're probably not going to be doing these events anymore. We're not going to do um, the Tour de France and you know and uh, the swimming and we're not going to do as much of that because we're going to buy a lot of these a lot of these properties like like golf and like college basketball. That's how we're going to use our money. So I just want you to know that that we probably would do a month to month with you, but you might want to look for something else. I was I was I was crushed. Yeah. Right. And um, the next week. The phone rang. It was Frank Kelly who said, "Hey, would you come out here and audition with Mary in Los Angeles?" And I said, "Wow, how did that happen?" So I go out there. I decided I want to get a little color at the Westwood Marquee at the top on the pool on the roof, Sunset Marquee. And uh, so before the audition, I go up there and I get sunburned. And I show up for the uh, the audition. The makeup artist goes, "Sweet mother of God, what is wrong with you? Is that your natural color?" And, uh, yes, cherry tomato. Just is, like is that. My natural skin just like that. And uh, so he fixed that. And I did the uh, did the audition. And uh, turns out they had found a tape of me anchoring the news in Nashville. That's why they actually called and said, "Oh wow, we want a newsier approach for entertainment tonight." That's what they kept saying. So Lucy Salhani, I talked to her about a month ago to thank her for all that. She was she was just on. She just we got it. This is the guy. He's, well, he's not Hollywood. This is the guy. We don't want this guy. And so they offered me a contract for thirteen weeks. Wow. 13 weeks, which is what they were doing. I can't even remember what it was for. It was like for 60 grand or something like that. And um, I was lured out there because I thought I'd be able to maybe score some films or something. And um, I went out there, and that 13 weeks turned into 10, 10 years. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Well, you, this is the joy of podcasting. We are almost out of time. But the but I thought the, podcasts were never out of time. We, we, have to go, we have to go live our lives, though. Right, but 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 here's the thing. I the what I love about your story, and and I know a lot of these these stories, and I and I it's great to hear them again. But your theme here is is hard work, risk, and prayer, and uh, that's you know I I think that's gonna be the title of this episode. I'm just gonna call it now. That's gonna be the title of this. episode. Oh, I like it. Um, you, it leads it leads you to this place, this very cushy job, uh, working for Entertainment Tonight. This, uh, you know, like you said, ten years on national television, amazing reach, amazing audience, but you always felt going back to our very first part of this of this series, you felt like being a musician was that was was a real joy for you. There was a point where you had to say goodbye to a real salary. I mean, a really a ridiculous salary for a ridiculously small amount of work. Tell yeah, them, yeah. that's that's what I want people to hear that part. That part where you decide one day. None of this is worth it. What's important is this jump that I have to take. You know, what I think it's it's actually a longer a longer story because I would love to talk about um, about about music with with your permission. And we don't have to do this as the as the next podcast. We can give it a rest. People aren't aren't just annoyed by me. But I, but I would love to talk about about how um, the whole Red Rocks thing happened and um, and how music became such a again became such a big part of my life and how and how difficult that story that 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 decision was to leave entertainment tonight why would i do such a thing yeah. right and 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 a lot of people don't know that that uh, paramount television and entertainment tonight sued me um and so it was it was like 10 of their guys against chuck kenworthy you know my little attorney 
Um, and I think it's a, I, I think it's an interesting story. But one of the things I wanted to, if you're okay with doing that, sometimes some other sure. time. Okay. Um, Are you guys okay with it? Those of you listening. <laughs> but but I, I but I want to I want to underscore um, the one thing you just said about hard work, risk, and prayer. If I when I look back on it, and the more I I know more about what's in the Bible now than I did when I was when I was then, when it when when I was a kid then, um, is I I do I, I never got out of prayer, and and I think what happened was the way I was praying, right? And and the simple and there's just a few scriptures I was using. I believe now that it's it's highly likely that I manifested my success mm. by staying in the Word. You know that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and 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 because because no matter what happened, the one thing I used to calm myself down, even though it's even though it's old covenant, is um, the Lord's prayer, and I used to I used to meditate on that, and and because I, I would get so wound up, Gib, in uh, you know as a reporter, then I'd have to switch gears, right, and put on a tie, put on makeup, and then and in Nashville you're putting on your own makeup, right, mm-hmm. and then jump on the air. So you so somehow it's almost it's almost like um, the biathlon. Where you know your 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 heart rate's up and you got now you right. got to stop your heart rate right. to shoot right. straight right and you and you do this all the time when you're working out with with intervals you you can actually you have control over your heart rate I'm not great at it but yeah I understand yeah. the concept yeah. yeah and I would do that and I would do that with prayer and I think that 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 may have I mean I actually do believe it that it that it manifested a lot of these uh, mm. these opportunities it's the only thing that can, that can explain it sure where where did this where did it come from yeah yeah okay well then we will we will that's that's a great stopping point. So yeah, yeah. I want to thank you so much for, for telling all of these stories. Um, I want to thank all of you guys for listening. Once again, if you would like to come and party with us, come to a real Hollywood party from the former host of Entertainment Tonight, uh, John, John <laughs> yeah, is yeah. going to be playing. We still have some of the, we still have, you, you know, you, you and I should wear the suits that are down there in the cedar closet, the old Entertainment Tonight suits. Entertainment Tonight suits, <laughs> yeah. The Perry Ellis designs made them. Exactly. Yeah. The lapels are a little wider than the freeways. Ah, that's, that, that works. Yeah, they're, they're, they're wider than the freeways in our city. So um, if you would like to come check us out, slimfast.com slash Tesh. There's a travel stipend. You're going to get airfare for two, hotel room for two, and get to go to an actual red carpet party, OK Magazine and SlimFest putting it on. So uh, if you want to enter to win that, it, there, there's no cost to you. It's slimfast.com slash Tesh. We would love to see you. Come on out and visit us. And uh, as always, thank you so much for listening. Our show today is, of course, produced by, well, it's produced by me. Uh, it features the Based on of, a book by you. <laughs> featuring the stories of John's life. Uh, Screenplay we, by Gib Trent. We thank you so much. Well, give out, give out, give out uh, all of our Twitter stuff. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm pivoting. I'm, oh, I'm pivoting. See, always producing. That's terrible. So, That's terrible. so uh, I can get you into Studio 54. Yeah, I don't think anybody wants to go there anymore. It's I just know. like I think it's an abandoned warehouse now. Uh, if you would like to, if you would like to follow up with us, you can go to Facebook.com/slash John Tesh uh, or on Twitter. He's at John Tesh. For me, it's at Gib Gerard or Facebook.com/slash Gib Gerard. G I B G E R A R D. And as always, if you enjoyed this and you would like to hear more or you want your friends to hear it, make sure you share it with your friends. And of course, rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us out a lot for people to find us if you rate and subscribe. Even if you don't listen to next week's episode, go ahead and click that subscribe button and then you can delete it when it downloads. It'll make it seem like people are... uh, are, are, it makes us easier to find for other people. And also, if you would like inspiring tweets, this is the this is the site that I that I sign up for. It's at our other host at Connie Selica, uh, and it's S E L L E C C A. Of course, she has the Intelligence for Your Life um, radio show as well. Guy, can I ask you one, one quick question? No. If if people you know because we're doing this, a lot of these Facebook lives, if people want to get uh, a notice that we're going live. 
Do they have to sign up for anything? On- they have to like you, and I think there are special settings to make sure that you don't. Uh, that it's notify me is, okay. the, is the special oh, good. setting. Oh, good. Um, but most of you, if you just if you just like Facebook.com slash John, John Tesh, if you just like that page, That's awesome. you will get a notice when we go decide to do Facebook Lives. Like I said, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs>